from the Nipty Radio Recording Studios, high above 107 Columbia Street in the heart of Uptown Downtown Albany. Welcome to this week's edition of the Nipty Practice Tips. and welcome to the latest edition of the Nipty Practice Tips. Today, we're going to be discussing the use of CPL 6025. The purpose of CPL 6025 is to permit the introduction of an earlier identification of the defendant by a witness who presently is unable to recall the face of the perpetrator he or she has previously identified. Such testimony introduced for the truth of its content would normally be admissible hearsay without this statutory exception. Until July 1st of 2017, the only previous identifications permitted to be introduced at criminal trials in New York were corporeal identifications. Then New York became the final state to also permit the introduction of photo identifications. This opened the door of trials to the application of 6025 not only to corporeal identifications, but also to photographic identifications. Since March 20th of 2020, we have seen the significant impact of COVID-19 on so many aspects of the operation of the criminal justice system. On that date, the governor's executive order basically closed the operation of the courts in New York State. It has been nearly two years since that first COVID executive order. There have never been fewer cases tried in modern New York history than during this period. One of the impacts of the delay in the trying of so many cases is the backlog that has been created. This has led to the increased potential for witnesses to forget the face of the person they have previously identified when the case is finally brought to trial. The availability of 6025 has never been more significant than it is today. One of the basic rules of evidence in a criminal trial is that one witness is not permitted to testify that another witness identified the defendant as the person who committed the crime. This is commonly referred to as impermissible bolstering. Example, see the case of People v. Mobley, a Court of Appeals decision from 1982. There was a time when the introduction of such evidence created a mistrial. The reason for this was that this testimony alone was sufficient to require a reversal. While the rule for what we used to call an automatic reversal has softened to some degree over the years, bolstering is still impermissible evidence at trial, with one very significant exception, and that exception is found in 6025. At trial, Pursuant to 60.30, witnesses are permitted to testify about previous identification procedures in which they took part and who they were able to identify in that procedure. As long as the procedure was made under circumstances consistent with such rights as the accused person may derive from the Constitution of this state or the United States. And that's a quote from CPL 6030. 
The Court of Appeals has established what evidence the people must present as a basis for the introduction of such hearsay evidence. In the case of People v. Cuevas, a Court of Appeals decision from 1993, the court identified the foundation testimony required to permit this identification testimony. The witness must be able to testify that he or she, one, observed the perpetrator at the time of the crime or at some other relevant time to the case. Number two, that he or she observed the person at a subsequent time, which was under the constitutionality rules, and he or she recognized the person as the one he or she had previously seen at the time of the crime or the other relevant time in question. And three, he or she is unable to say on the basis of present recollection whether or not the defendant is the person in question. With the addition of photographic identifications as admissible evidence at trial, CPL 6025 was amended to identify the methods that are required to be used by law enforcement when conducting a photographic identification that will be admissible at trial. Once this foundation is laid, the witness must also establish that the person who committed the crime was the person he or she identified in the procedure. It is important that the witness's testimony clearly states that he or she is still sure today that the person he or she identified in that ID procedure is the person that committed the crime. Saying that he or she was sure back then when the ID was originally made is not the key point here. It is rather that even though her present ability to recall is no longer there, he or she is still sure that this person is in fact the person who committed the crime. If the witness were to testify, he or she was no longer sure that the person that she originally identified was the perpetrator, then 6025 would not apply and you would not have an identification from that witness. In the Court of Appeals decision of People v. Jamerson from 1986, the court affirmed a conviction where a 6025 ID was used despite the fact that the ADA did not ask the are you sure today question. The court held that this question relates to the foundation for admissibility. And if the defense is going to challenge the reliability of the past identification for the failure to ask this question, there must be a timely objection to preserve the issue for appeal. You should, however, always make sure this question is part of the foundation when you're laying that for the witness. In other words, are you still sure today the person you identified at the lineup is the person who committed the crime? CPL 6025 cannot be used when the reason for the lack of an in-court identification is that the witness is afraid to make the identification. There are a number of cases that have this holding People v. Johnson from the Court of Appeals in 1990 and People v. Bayron from the Court of Appeals in 1985. However, do not forget that there is a possible use of a statement by a witness and of an identification of the defendant when you can establish that it is due to the defendant's conduct that the witness is afraid to testify. This is covered in the general area known as Soroy evidence. But when it comes to 6025, 
that does not apply when the witness refuses to make an identification as opposed to not being able to make a present identification. Often the reason for the witness's inability to make a present identification at the trial is the fact that the defendant has changed his or her appearance. 6025 is applicable in these situations. Additionally, do not forget that you will be able to use a photograph of the defendant that depicts the way he or she appeared at the time of the crime. This way, you may introduce that photograph. The witness can identify that as the way the defendant appeared at the time of the crime, and the jury will be able to see that photo in the context of the defendant's appearance at the time of the crime. The most recent appellate division decision addressing the use of 6025 comes from the fourth department. It's in the case of People v. Ott out of Monroe County. In that decision where 6025 was applied, the defense challenged it on appeal and the court wrote, defendant's contention that the court erred in permitting the police officer to testify that witnesses identified the defendant during a show-up identification procedure lacks merit. It is well settled that 6025 applies to a situation where the witness, due to lapse of time or change in appearance of the defendant, cannot make an in-court identification, but has on a previous occasion identified the defendant. Under such circumstances, any other witness may then establish that the defendant in court is the same person that the eyewitness identified on the previous occasion. It is a pretty good bet that there are going to be a significant number of situations in which 6025 will definitely come into play in the upcoming months. Now, please be sure to see the written version of this practice tip in the Prosecutor's Encyclopedia. It will have additional case citations included in the written version of the presentation. It will also have case citations and authority for related issues as well and links to other memos and so forth in the PE. Our thanks as always to our crack producer and master chef, Jonathan Marconi Crispino. To all of you, a very happy new year. Be well and stay ready, my friends. 